I'm Dr. Jill Weiner. I'm a white woman, a doctor, a meditation teacher, a tapping practitioner, a writer, and I'm an aspiring anti-racist, an identity which I must constantly strive towards, work on, and reevaluate. This podcast amplifies the powerful voices of women and men in all aspects of the anti-racist space, along with some of my own insights and explorations on topic ranging from healthcare to spirituality to criminal justice and beyond. In order to provide a nuanced, educational, and honest examination of systemic racism and dominant culture. All right, I am so excited to have Ellie Axe here with me. Ellie is the director of Story Starters, a nonprofit that equips families with strategies to raise children to develop anti racist values and inspires racial justice action in homes and communities. Ellie has over 20 years of experience building system-wide change in faith-based and secular institutions. Ellie's passion for organizational behavior and operations are drivers for her success in building and strengthening social change institutions. Ellie holds an MBA from Simmons School of Management, and she lives in Newton, Massachusetts with her husband and her two and their two daughters. Welcome, Ellie. It's so excited to, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be in conversation today. Yes, wonderful, wonderful. So I would love to know more. So for, for, to to set the stage for people listening, um, you and I are both white skinned ladies, um, talking talking about um, our work in in uh, you know I'm not going to be talking about my work, but talking about work in anti racism spaces. And so I'm I'm really excited to dive into that a little bit with you. I'm learning more about the work that you do, um, and um, how how you navigate the space because there's a lot of nuances and complexities that that can can be very important and can go can go horribly wrong if not if not attended to so um so yeah so tell me a little bit about how you um your journey how you got into story starters and um how it how it's become what it is today sure um so i i think to to really ground my story or or what what pulls me in um and grounds me in uh, being an aspiring anti-racist, a woman who's working hard to dismantle systems of racism um, for myself, for my family, and for our communities, um, is I grew up in Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, I am the daughter of a public uh, school teacher, and my dad, one of the like most uh, impactful events having to do with race in my life was when I was in middle school and my dad taught high school math uh, for his career. And um, the phone rang one day and on the other end of the phone was a collect call from one of his students who had been um, uh, charged with uh, stealing from a local convenience store. And the student was calling my father to get help and advice about what he should do um, since he was in jail. Um, and I picked up the phone unknowing and unaware of kind of the context of my dad's relationship with this student, um, that he was a black man um, or a black boy. Um, and um, that led us into a conversation about who his students were and how they differed from uh, the private education that I got in the suburbs of Cincinnati um, and about race and racism and incarceration of young black men. Um, so 
that story stands out in my mind as one that opened up uh, a whole dynamic of conversations and exploration and um, reality that had been the backdrop of conversations in the past, but had not been so explicit or real. Um, and so, you know, that wasn't the end of the conversation about that student or about my dad's role as a white educator. Um, but it helped me understand that I cared about what my family was thought and what they valued and why they were making the choices they were making. Um, and I, I happened to grow up in a household where I could ask questions about difference and I could explore my own identity, but where I still was like fumbling around and not really knowing what to do or how to do it. Um, I would say like, even now, I'm still feel like I'm learning constantly about um, the ways in which my white skin privilege interacts in the world and is both harmful um, and can be a power of a change. So that's, that was like the most like uh, powerful event. I think along that journey um, and probably inspired by that event and a couple others, I, kind of set on this quest in like in high school and then in college to try to understand the ways cities worked in urban areas. I kept thinking that this was like an urban suburban thing. So, so false <laughs> in terms of like where the impact of race and racism shows up in our world, right? Like that, that in and of itself was, was not an incomplete truth. Um, but the value of that kind of driving itch for me of like, why is it that our communities aren't gathering and connected and see, like, why is there, I, I kept coming up against separation of racial identity groups, um, both in my studies in at Trinity College in Hartford, Connecticut, um, which I was pulled there to learn and explore um, urban studies and economics. Um, and then when I came to Boston, um, I was, I participated in an organization that taught me grassroots organizing um, and community and has, has also been the backbone of the work that I've done. And in that place, I got to dig into my own white Jewish identity to unpack what it means to hold privilege in a number of ways um, and to develop a sense of like confidence and clarity about um, what then it means to like what to do with that role or how how to engage and and again I I don't have all the answers or I think that I my journey's over I just know it feels really good to be in this work um, and exploring and um, and learning along the way like it it just has felt on purpose and uh, kind of who I've been <laughs> along along the whole the whole journey. So when you, so you, you sounds like you were like, it's, it's urban suburban. So what, what did you find out? Because uh, uh, cause I, I feel like I, I know where you're going with that, but I'd like to, to kind of, yeah. and, and what, um, what your eyes were open. I mean, there's systems of oppression that are created that separate um, those who have and those who don't have. And they're both systemic, pers pervasive and, um, chasms that uh, have been baked into the way our country was founded, the way our country 
continues to operate and, and run itself and the ways in which um, folks like myself benefit daily from um, the systems at play that, that put, um, you know, and, and my real obsession at the time was around education, um, right? Like I, the conversation about my, with my father's student, he was in the public school system and I had gone to a private um, school. So I was like trying to figure out like, well, what does that access look like? And why does that exist? And trying to understand like, well, um, and it's not so small of a part that I spent a lot of years doing uh, education advocacy work because I thought maybe there's a like leveling the playing field or understanding what happens when we when we take um, a real good look at what education can do. Um, but I think what I came at, what I'm still unpacking and trying to understand and trying and trying to figure out, you know, how can I make um, the biggest impact I can make in shaping the world to be the world that I believe we all deserve to live in. Um, like I don't do anti-racism work. I, I, I care deeply about the hurts and wounds and harm that are done to BIPOC individuals. And I also know that tied up in it is like, that there's a better world for me as a white person um, to live in community that is multiracial, um, to live in a place where people feel free and seen and have access to all the, the great things that I have had access to. And so it's in that spirit of, um, and has been, you know, even more motivated by having young kids of my own. Um, and so wanting that for them, wanting to see that their generation of kids could be in a world that looks really different. Mm -hmm. um, but it's hard to see that mission all the time. It's, it, this is, yeah. Um, and yeah, so I'll, I'll stop there. <laughs> That's great. And I, it's, it's, <laughs> I have my, like my radar, you know, and you were like urban suburban. And I was like, oh, interesting. Where's she going with this? And you were like, and then it's crap. And I was like, okay. Because, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. you know, I, I don't, I don't know all the things about everything. Um, but I also know that I used to think I was like, oh, this is just about education. You know, like it was just this like privileged way of simple, oversimplifying the pervasive stuff. And it, it sounds like the urban suburban might be thought of as like a symptom of a much bigger underlying, like it's like the one of many tips of the iceberg that- Totally. A larger issue. Totally, a lens with which trying to examine as a white woman, like making sense of systems that predated me, um, that I didn't have context or, or language for. Um, and since then have been, um, you know, have, have had the both deep privilege and investment of folks of color in like both helping me to understand and to unpack my own um, and ability to take action or to see to see and explore um, you know what ways are is white culture held up in our public in our education system mm -hmm. as um, 
you know, as pervasive and, and what harm does that do to the two kids? <laughs> so, yeah. So tell me more about story starters. How did you get from, from this, you said you were in a, in a learning about grassroots organizing and exploring your white Jewish identity and kind of where, where, to, where to go from there. How, how did story starters come to be? Yeah. So I, at the time um, that story starters was born in 2017, I was um, leading a fellowship program at an organization called uh, the Jewish Organize, uh, join for justice um, and leading the program of the Jewish organizing initiative. And so I was teaching um, and supporting a group of uh, 20s and 30s in the Jewish community and exploring and understanding their own identity and helping them build skills and strategies for using them in grassroots organizing. It was the same program that I had done when I first moved to Boston. So I had returned in that. Um, and meanwhile, I had had two kids. Um, and so I was having conversations around gender and race and class and privilege and like kind of all the, like the isms of the world and the systemic ways in which um, there's systems, the systems with which I believe need to be dismantled for our, for our own, um, our own health and humanity. Um, and and holding little babies at home and looking at them and saying, okay, like how, how and when do I talk to you? <laughs> like what, when am I gonna, like when, when is the right time to have a conversation with my daughter about race and about her own privilege and about um, the world and believing kind of in my gut that like, I just wanted to talk to her about it as soon as I could, because I feel like, why like this is react like wanting her to grow up in a world knowing her place in it feeling confident about her role in the world and also without any misperceptions about the fact that our world has broken pieces and that it's our job to help figure out and participate in the ways that are appropriate for us and what appropriate and not appropriate is to like help build a better world. And so it was with that struggle that I had a conversation with a friend of mine actually in St. Louis, who was one of the founders of We Stories, which is a similar organization to Story Starters. And she, she sent me a book list and she was like, read these and read this and read this. And this was back in 2013, which is the, the birth year of my oldest. Um, and so I started reading books. And then meanwhile, her organization was growing and um, our founder, Jocelyn Decker, um, had been in touch with Laura and said, hey, like, can we run this organization in Boston? Um, and we had conversations and Jocelyn founded Story Stars. Jocelyn is uh, um, now is in Maryland, but was at the time in Boston and she uh, asked if I, Laura helped connect us. So like another web of like connections of organizations that are doing good work and, and connecting each other. Um, and so it was out of that, um, that connection that I joined the advisory board of Story Starters in 2017 and, um, and took the leap from Join for Justice to be a co-director uh, the following year. Um, 
And so since then, have been the co-director and then Jocelyn needed to transition out of her role in 2020. And uh, that's when I took the helm. So it's been, it's really been kind of the most amazing journey, both for me personally, and also just organizationally to try to build an organization with integrity that serves 80% of our families are white families, um, but to serve it with integrity as a white leader. Um, leading anti-racism work. Um, and so, you know, I, I think the, um, there's a lot to say there, but, you know, the, the grounding of the research, the, the inactions that I saw in my community, it, I just felt really called um, to take that leap and to put kind of all of my effort forcefully behind it to see what we could do. So what what's tell me more about what uh, what Story Starters does and 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 it sounds like yeah. a, a predominantly white um, community, but I'd love to hear you know to, for you to share more specifically about what you do and and how you how you find the, like which books you recommend and just you know more sure. into sure so we um, provide we run two programs we want run a family conversations program which is an eight-week um, program for families who are looking to start or strengthen their conversations with their young kids about race and racism and when i say young i mean three to eight year olds are the age range that we've really focused we support families in providing a book bundle of six books and a curated um, parent guides that are full of research and resources and activities for them to use in their homes. So there's, uh, and I imagine, Jill, you know about some of this research, but there's um, a ton of peer-reviewed research that talks about when to start to talk to kids about race and um, that kids six months of age are noticing difference and showing um, preference to same race spaces. And by the time, by five years of age, um, white children rarely exhibit anything other than a pro-white bias. And at the same age, BIPOC kids um, also are demonstrating pro-white bias. So um, there's, you know, Story Starters is taking the proactive approach of intervention around the formation of racial bias and supporting families in using, um, you know, very curated skill sets to then use books as the conversation starter. So for instance, having a family understand the value of exploring windows and mirrors with their children. So the opportunity to both um, acknowledge that seeing themselves reflected and acknowledged in books is important, but then also to experience and know that there are many other stories and cultural norms than their family's norm, um, and to explore and, and find those points of connection. Three to eight-year-olds are like so keen and ready <laughs> to be shaped and have these conversations and to dig in. Um, and and so, you know, helping families realize that colorblind approaches to parenting and, and shutting down conversations about race are actually harmful. Um, so, you know, there's, I, I could go on and on about the program. 
each book comes with a, a bookmark that helps families like in the moment ask questions and prompt and use the resources that we're talking about kind of more broadly. Um, and then the other thing that we've been able to do just this year is to take our program for families and translate it to a professional development opportunity for early educators. And so that has been, we've piloted it this year with a preschool in Newton um, with 85 educators. And we've been getting really amazing feedback that the tools and strategies that they're able to bring into the classroom structure are so valuable um, and how helpful it is to see um, tools that they use in the classroom, but the conversation starters to open up and, and you know, Working with educators is just awesome. They're so creative and, and run <laughs> with, with the information that we're able to provide them. So that's amazing. And so you said there's the family conversations program. Is is the other thing this professional development opportunity? Yes. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. The 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 two. So families and early educators. Um, and it's been a dream from the beginning to find ways um, to support kids kind of in conversation, both at home and at school. We know that um, just because kids aren't talking about race doesn't mean that they're not noticing or um, experiencing uh, the difference. And so what we do to actually support them and, and knowing that having, um, that the adults in kids' lives are the most critical uh, information folks <laughs> at that age. So if, if we have parents and educators um, who are sharing with kids that one, they're open, willing, and excited to talk to them about what they're observing in their world, and two, are equipped with strategies that help them find points of connection across difference and shatter stereotypes that kids are starting to form and develop during those ages that there can be a really powerful outcome for kids. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> I love that. One of the things that I've struggled with, like is in doing this work as a, as a, a white bodied person is how do I continue to center the voices of not me, <laughs> uh, the lived experiences of not me while still doing it and engaging and doing what I can. So how do you all um, in story starters, what are ways that you continue to do that and like, yeah. Um, so a, a few ways, I think the, the design and development of our curriculum has been the biggest, I would say, work and evolution of our organization and the ways in which we hold ourselves accountable um, to what we're sharing and supporting mm -hmm. families with. So initially we had come up, you know, the other thing I'll just say is that like we are really working on the sustainability and the funding of our organization. And so um, the, the ways that we've done that are to make sure that we have um, educators and educators of color in particular helping design and develop curriculum from the beginning of our program through many different cultivations and iterations of the curriculum itself. Um, and we didn't get it all right. Like we shared our curriculum out with um, several uh, of our kind of, for lack of a better term, accountability partners. And 
Um, there was one moment in our program's history where we got back, like, this has a white gaze all over it. Like, this is not, like, you need to really check and see what's going on here, which was hard to hear and also so deeply valuable um, that one, we had the relationship for that individual to name it. And also um, it like, that's not what we're in this work for. <laughs> like we don't, we don't need white folks centered anymore in this work. We need to help um, families understand, white, white families to understand um, how to hold privilege and, and move their privilege towards responsibility and action in their right way. Um, and so it was that moment where we, um, we it was uh, after, so um, it was the summer of 2020 um, in the mid, in that mid cycle of our programming um, that we then decided for the next year, we would reflect, learn, and recalibrate our programming. And so we did a deep dive into evaluation with our program um, participants, and we um, launched or worked with a number of different stakeholders to seek input and value into what we're doing, how are we participating in the organizational structures that exist to support families, what's our value add versus like, are we just duplicating work that's already out there? Like all of the things that we're centering and harnessing the values that we had come into this work with. Um, and then we hired um, a team of educators, uh, all women of color and in the education space, um, and shared all the feedback that we had collected and said, okay, here's the curriculum, <laughs> like help us, um, you know, integrate this feedback in a way that centers BIPOC um, voices and needs uh, and, and teaches the skills that white families need to harness and, and, and generate um, in doing this work with kids. So that's one, there's, there have been many moments of like getting feedback and, um, and responding or reacting, um, I would say responding, <laughs> holding our reaction at times um, to then really lean in to like, what are we learning and how are we learning it? And, and then what do we do with what we're learning? Because um, I think we have the responsibility to keep moving forward, um, but to do so with more, uh, in, uh, with, more knowledge and more perspective and um, and with greater purpose. Yeah, yeah, I love that. It sounds very, I can hear your grassroots organizing in there with, you know, like with continuing to go back and continuing to look and and hear from, from voices that, um, that you wanna be hearing from. Um, for, for parents of white, white parents of white kids, um, and maybe for anybody wanting to talk to their kids about race and teach their kids about race, what are some things, I mean, obviously everyone needs to go and be a part of your family conversations program because it sounds amazing and anyone, you know, ages three to eight, um, and we'll make sure we have the link for that in the show notes, but what are some things that you recommend to parents who are like wanting to do better and not sure? 
Yeah, um, I think um, it's a great question. There are so many things. <laughs> um, I think one is acknowledging especially for our parents for whom anti-racism work is newer um i would say acknowledging what you don't know with your kids um or seeking a stance of like learning together um for those who have been on a journey around anti-racism um without your kids to say your kids are ready they are poised they are so awesomely um, open in ways that i i myself didn't know um i knew i i wanted to like engage in conversations with my kids but i wasn't quite sure um i had fear that was at the front of that um of like what if i say the wrong thing or what if i teach them the wrong um message or I still have so much more to learn. Like those were really pervasive thoughts in my own head um, when I was starting conversations with my own girls. And um, I would say no conversation, like lack of conversations about race are much more harmful than starting to have conversations and really learning together and opening up the conversation space to say, you know, we don't, like, parents don't know everything all the time either, and this is a really important value in our family, and this is why, and so we're going to engage together. Um, the other thing I would say is that not all race talk is the same with kids, for sure, um, and I often, I often get asked, but, like, really, people should just be talking without any, like, knowledge or context, no, I don't think that. I think there's like a lot of research. There's a lot of information available. Um, you know, both there's like even more after the summer of 2020 and George Floyd's brutal murder. Like there's a lot of articles that are available for families to understand the importance of talking to kids about race. Um, but I think centering it as a family value as like, uh, we talk about difference, we talk about, we learn about things we don't know, and we understand and make space and value for who we are. Like what's, what's our role, what's our race, what's our privilege, what's our, um, if you're a BIPOC family, what, what's our heritage and peoplehood um, that we're celebrating? That's so powerful, especially for really young kids to have the partnership of trusted adults um, to navigate. So that was long-winded, <laughs> but hey. I found myself in a lot of my podcast interviews being like, what are the top five things people should do about this? And, and generally the response I get is like, that's kind of white supremacy culture talking, <laughs> yeah. like codify and make lists just check out what you're attracted to and question what you're drawn to and why, you know, that kind of stuff. So I, I think that's really interesting um, to think about yet also knowing that there's going to be people listening who want to know, like, what, what can I do? And I love that your, your answers aren't like, go read this one book and then you will have the answer of solving how to teach your kids about race, but you're really like, 
acknowledge what you don't know and and learn together and and center it as a family value i think that's a really beautiful way to think about it um rather than having to have an answer knowing that there's not an answer um so i i really appreciate that response um, yeah the other the other thing that you're saying there jill that you know um one of the questions i've been asked before is you know an eight-week program like that is, we're hoping to ignite and engage families in ongoing conversations about yeah. race. Um, and so we make a point to be like, this is no checkbox. This is not like you sign up for our program and then you enroll and then we like graduate you and you're like off on the world of like being a great white family or a family of color or whatever. Like, but it's to give families the footing to start to have conversations in a way that feel family centered and supported and connected to other folks who are trying to do right by their kids and by the world and, you know, and want to be engaged in the conversations. And so I've just always appreciated folks who have been like, really? Eight weeks? <laughs> like that's, you know, okay. <laughs> um, but it is to, you know, it's hard to start something new that our generation didn't grow up with. And I think, um, I know when I was growing up colorblind, um, parenting was like a really pervasive and it was seen as the right way. Um, and so when we're trying to change the way that we do something, having a community and a starting place is, is often really helpful. And so um, that's what we're trying to do. Not, not give everything, everybody, everything here. Right. right. Um, thank you for that. I love that. So how do people find you where, and how can they, are there um, other than the, the, um, the course, um, the family mm -hmm. conversations program, are there other ways that people can support you, um, can learn from you and, and sort of pick up what you're putting down? Yeah, thanks for asking. Um, so our website is the place that has kind of the next steps of our program um, details. And um, I assume those will be in the show notes and um, you can find us on Facebook right now, um, as well as um, we are harnessing, and I would say for those of you listening in that don't have kids ages three to eight years old, um, we've spent the last five years cultivating and developing our program, you know, and aligning it with our values, right, in the ways I just shared. And so I'd say I'd invite any of you who fall kind of outside of our family, our our catchment area, our like group um, to say, join us in supporting our organization. We're trying to grow at a pretty rapid rate in the next year. Um, and so we're looking for supporters and investors in the work that we're doing so that we can keep it up. Um, and, and, you know, that's both institutions and individuals. Uh, awesome, awesome. For people who are listening and aren't able to look at the show notes, what is the website? Yeah, sure. It's uh, www.story-starters.org. Okay. And are you just on Facebook as Story Starters or? We're at Story Starters Boston. Okay, perfect. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for all the, um, not only what you're doing, but the, the, humility in which you do it um and and the grace of um 
of, of getting it wrong and learning and knowing that there's more and more to uncover. Um, so thank you for modeling that as well, I think is, is really um, helpful um, and, and, you know, like demonstrates what you're all about. Basically, I can like hear your values and, and, and the way you talk about it. So thank you so much for, for joining me. It was taking us a little while to get together because of just life has come up the last couple months. So I'm, I'm really glad that you were able to be here and, and share the amazing work you're doing. Thanks so much for having me. Hi there. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Conscious Anti-Racism. Please be sure to follow or like us wherever you find your podcasts, and also consider leaving a rating or review. You can follow Conscious Anti-Racism on Instagram and Twitter at Jill Wiener MD, J-I-L-L-W-E-N-E-R-M-D, and please check out our Conscious Anti-Racism book on Amazon.